Can you believe it's been nearly two years since you left Triple J? I can, actually, because I've done literally nothing but rewatch The West Wing, even the later seasons. I don't want to be that guy, but um, how's the job hunt going? I'm Kyron Wheatley, and for seven years I was a presenter on Triple J. I started off on the graveyard shift, that's when work starts at 1am, eventually working my way up to being the breakfast host. At least when the real breakfast hosts went on holiday. I was the backup guy. You know, I loved my job. It was a dream job. Everyone told me so. But then, at the end of 2016, there were huge changes at the station and I packed up my desk, grabbed a mug from the kitchen, walked out the door and was left with nothing. I started rethinking everything. Was I good at this? Would anybody else even hire me to do this? Was I a fraud? Did I even want to do this? I had no plans. Nada. Nothing. And I'm not alone, right? And now more than ever, many of us are wondering if the job we're in is the right choice for us. But how exactly do you change your career? Well, let's find out together as I go through the process of seeking an alternate route for my career, which is a good name for the show. Proudly brought to you by Seek. There are heaps of barriers we face when we change careers. There's fear of change, finding transferable skills, getting your finances in order so you don't go broke in the process. Like, how do you talk to your mum or your fiancé or your sister about this? I'm going to share my story. Frankly, knowing me, I'm going to overshare and talk to heaps of people who've made changes in their lives. I've got a saying that I say, opportunity never looks like something you want to do. It'll look like hard work, bloody hard work, and it always is. Everything I've ever had that's been of great value has always taken a lot of hard work. Find out how you can make changes without risking the house. But I think if you also have that overarching non-financial goal in mind in terms of why you're doing this and what does this mean to you, it does help to um, stay on track with that budget. And why talking to your friends and family about it is so stupidly, incredibly important, even if you don't think you want to. Oh, you're always good in my ears. It's just, and it's one of those things as any mother. I always felt you could do anything. And when you decided what it was, you would achieve it. We're going to learn from my mistakes, God willing. We're going to hear some great wisdom, the kind that you're going to want to pause the podcast to jot down and even get some advice from me mum, Wendy. She's the best. But first, we're getting real deep, real quick. I'm Sabina Reid and I'm a psychologist. All right, so am I about to have a counselling session recorded live on tape that you can listen into? You bet your ass I am. This is the bit where we learn from my mistakes. Also, it totally makes sense to talk to someone who knows how to help get you on the right path and overcome one of the biggest barriers to making a career change, fear. And Sabina isn't just any psychologist. She's helped heaps of people change careers, including herself. Um, I actually decided not to study psychology. (laughs) (laughs) And so back in the day, I did um, a communications degree Mm -hmm. and I worked in PR and marketing for some time. Sabina worked in a big corporate company. And instead of doing what she was supposed to be doing, she was just watching the team dynamics, scrutinising how everyone else was working with each other. 
And then we all did Myers-Briggs, which is a way, a personality testing tool. And everyone talked about their differences. And, and I just got more and more enthralled in. So I was being pulled back. Yeah. Um, and I finally went back and, and retrained as a psychologist. And in that time, um, the world of positive psychology had caught up and people, there was a lot of rigorous evidence around working with people's strengths as opposed to working with their weaknesses. So I think in the time that I went off and did my thing and comms, Mm. You know, in Melbourne and San Fran and London, when I came back to it all, it kind of was where I, there was scope to explore the, the whole human through. Well, that sounds like you'd already got you'd got quite far in the world of comms. Yeah, if you gone to San Fran and London and stuff. Yeah, I did, I did, but I don't think that a career is linear, and it's an exploration. And one of the things that I heard. I've heard you say, Karen, is that Triple J was somewhat of a pinnacle. They're not the words you use, but that's the interpretation I heard, that you've reached the summit, so what do you do now? You're at the top of your game. I don't see a job as being the top of the summit. I just see it as another mountain and another experience and another journey, and you go mm. up and down and you, you go with Sherpas and you go with friends and you go alone and you fall down and you get up and you get hypothermia and that's the journey. Mm. Triple J was like the person at school that accepted you or was your your, your first boyfriend or I, mm. I don't know what it represents literally. It doesn't yeah. need to. But it was a safe place in some way. Mm. So now you've had that taken away. You don't know what to do. You, it doesn't feel safe. And so you, this sounds like there's a level of sort of paralysis I don't know what to do now. I'm out. I'm, I'm out in the yeah, schoolyard, right. and I'm exposed again. So one of the things you're probably tapping into is vulnerability, and who hasn't felt vulnerable? Mm. So we can put on a mask, be the funny guy, be the shock jock, whatever, whatever the role you played, or you can say, "I'm feeling exposed. I don't know what my next move is," and and lean into that. Okay, stop for a second. This is big for me. Changing my thinking to not think of that one job as being everything. I'd spent all this time angling towards being a presenter on Triple J, the place I'd always wanted to work, the place I was nowhere near ready to leave. And then, as I said, think about the values, about what you want to move towards, what's important to you, not the job per se, but how do you want to feel? I think that's a really important question. What would get you out of bed in the morning thinking, yippee, I'm going to do this and, by the way, I'm going to get paid for it? I think the thing that it is at Triple J, or the thing that I liked about Triple J that made me feel like getting out of bed, mm. particularly early, mind you, in the morning to do breakfast radio. <laughs> so the big driving force is that it affects change. Mm-hmm. So you are you're helping. Yeah. You know, you're not just you're not just going to work, and it's not just about the money. Yeah. It's you're actually doing something that could have, I know personally, a huge impact and influence on the person on the other side of that transaction. Yeah. So that's the second area of, of um, passion for you is to make a difference in the lives of others like Triple J did for you when you were, when you were a young person. Yeah, I'm seeing now how simplistic <laughs> I made it in my own head where I, could, I can't translate that to any other place. It's like, no, I, I, have, I can only and must do it at Triple J. Yeah. <laughs> As if that skill can't be taken somewhere else. Triple J is just one. <laughs> so, and you're laughing like How that's ridiculous. a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite an aha. I recommend everyone gets themselves a Sabina, for real. 
I can't believe that in such a short time, like we were together for half an hour, she's pretty well flipped the script that I've been playing over and over and over in my head for years. Like here I was getting stuck thinking I'd never suit another career or do anything but the same thing forever and ever. When of course I'd be able to take my skills elsewhere. I was really scared of what might not be next. And that fear was, like, and I mean this as literally as I can, crippling. It was crippling. It meant I took no steps forward, sometimes literally. I can see that now. I guess if Oprah was in the room, that's yeah, probably what she'd new, say. That's a new way of thinking. I know yeah. Oprah's not. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I a, feel like that's she is. That's a light bulb. Yeah, yeah. A different version of. <laughs> a version of. And you win a car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic news. Thank you very much for joining us. Goodbye. Good night. Forever. Crossroads. You can look at that as an opportunity or look at it as a dead end. But it's, it's a fork in the road and you're in the driver's seat. Sabina's right. Leaving Triple J perhaps wasn't the end of the world like I thought it was. It's just the end of that job. This is a huge fork in the road for me. But which road do I take and how do I know which one is the right one? Is there a right road? Is there a wrong road? It struck me that there's another career, one in particular, where people face this fork in the road, this fear of the unknown. But her highs went to dramatic lows after she stopped competing eight years ago. I'm actually going to discontinue my professional swimming career. The immediate retirement of hero Cyril Rioli from the game. So I was left almost with nothing in terms of my identity. Meet Michael Inglis. I'm a director and co-founder of The Mind Room. My specialisation is in sport and performance psychology. I was hoping Michael might be able to assure me that I'm not the only one facing this career crisis. Like, how do athletes tackle this change? Because, like, if you choose to become an elite athlete, then at some point, your body is not going to allow you to do that anymore. You will have to change jobs. It's a really topical uh, discussion right now. And it's all about the transition of that because mm. I think there's an overall realisation in sport that we don't look after the human side very well as athletes. So they're very they're great commodities once we have them in our sport. But then what happens when they leave and are we preparing them as best we can or are we just trying to squeeze every bit out of them, out of their bodies um, until they retire? And then there's that real transition after the fact. There's a lot of proactive movement, not action yet, into how to get them thinking of that transition already yeah. um, as they're starting their career. Yeah, because it's kind of interesting because, you know, it's everything they've strived for, everything they love, you know, for years, often from teenage or younger, yep. and then to become pro, everything they love is this job, and then they've got to find out what their next love is, whereas I think for a lot of people it seems to be the other way, Yeah, where, like, you've got this job that you sort of fell into because, you know, when you're a teenager, you started working at XYZ and then you got the promotion, the promotion, promotion. You're like, is this what I really want to be doing? Yeah. And I think their identity as well. I think that's the what we're mm. learning as psychologists is a key area to focus on. Their own identity of who they see themselves, but also their social identity. There must be a lot of fear involved in that. Yeah, I think we're pretty um, habitual animals. I think we like 
the familiarity of life, mm. even if it's actually not very good for us. Mm. The analogy I often use is that the old pair of shoes that got holes in them that still feel really comfortable yeah. <laughs> versus a new pair. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> they take a few they times. They give me blisters. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But we'll still go to the old pair for as long as we can yeah. because they feel more comfortable. And then keep them even when we stop wearing them. Yeah. <laughs> keep them hanging around. It's why we stay in bad you know, jobs that aren't good for us, why we stay in relationships that aren't good for us, why we hang out with people that aren't healthy for us. We like the known and the familiarity, I think. So mm. I think you're right. There is a lot of fear of the unknown. And a lot of time when I'm doing a consult with someone, when they kind of mention that, I go, what attributes are there about the future that concern you the most? And when they actually break it down, it's a lot of what if, but they don't actually have an answer. They don't know if it's going to be better or worse. Yeah. They just don't know how it's going to end. Yeah, exactly. I would say the same thing. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not knowing what the... Like previously having such a clear path laid out. Yeah. And then not having that path anymore. So up to that point in time, had things kind of progressed quite well in your career? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was there seven years and just you know going from working the overnight talking on the radio late at night to a few truckies and uh, <laughs> and bakers who are up at 3am yep. and then slowly getting to like, okay, now you're filling in on weekend breakfast and then you're doing weekend breakfast and then you're filling in on the breakfast show and then everything's looking like, oh, maybe you're going to get your own regular show during the week. Yeah. That was, you know, I built this path like, great, I'll get that and then that'll happen and then that'll happen and then that from there I can launch and figure out what I want to do but I would have yeah. had this grounding to do it sounds like your first heartbreak career <laughs> yeah. heartbreak yeah yeah well i haven't had a heartbreak i've never i hadn't gone through like a actual separation but i think when we get to the key questions about change and facing fear and so on and so forth we've got to put it back onto you mm. Because really, the the grind in the background, you know, the, the iceberg effect about what you see and what's actually going underneath, you know, it's going to be you with you, isn't mm. it? You know, below the surface. So, what are your thoughts and what do you want about where you want to go and how you want to confront fear? Uh, what do I want? Well, I guess not being driven by external mm-hmm. <laughs> influences would be a good start. Yeah, I would like to be driven by my own and I guess I mean I'm sure this is very common across performing arts like the idea that you're a fraud this feeling that you're a fraud that you've tricked everyone (laughs) into (laughs) into thinking that you're good yeah which is truly how I feel if they keep telling me I am I'll still keep uh, means I've still got them going you know yeah exactly and also seeing other people who I think are good and being like well they're better yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. better. Why? Why should I bother if they're in this business? It's a lot of comparison. It's mm. a lot of two externals there, isn't there? Mm. What do they think of me? What's their opinion of me? And also, you comparing yourself with others. It's really stops you yeah. from doing things. This is why I think performance psychology works, and why I think it's so effective. How are you evaluating yourself and your performance? Mm. And so, what that does is really, really tuning into you looking in the mirror. Yeah, and that allows you to focus on that more. Because right now, if you're not doing that, all you do, all you've got is the external noise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To say, well, how am I going? Oh, well, they're telling me this, or they're not telling me that. So a lot of our, I guess, performance psychology work is actually, whilst you're actually going really well, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. you think you're going really well, yeah, um, because we can actually start asking these really key questions, yeah, and these self-reflective components that allow us to look at ourselves 
objectively. Mm. It's actually really good to even, you know, to kind of consolidate this and do a strengths journal. So what I'd be doing straight after this is get your strengths journal out and tell me about the three things you did really well in this interview. And you're doing that every single time you're doing this. You're just naming just three things you did well and why. Just describe it a little bit. So you're constantly, you're ingraining that reflection mm. and that reinforcement about yourself. And it doesn't require anybody else. It's you and you. Mm. And it's independent of anybody else's opinion, which might challenge what you're writing, by the way. But that's the whole idea of it. Yeah. So it's not just external, external, external. I think I've spent a lot of time with great performers in their fields, like, you know, you talk about being the best. Yeah. That would be considered one of the best in their field. And it's not because they didn't fail less or they they didn't have less self-doubt or they had less time to struggle. They just were more willing, committed to work through it or face it again or develop skills to improve themselves. Mm. They just front up. Mm. We all have that notion of doubt and insecurity and so on and so forth. This is how we, how we work with it. Hence... That resilience question of how many times you've been knocked back to get to you got here, and how did you how did you rebound? That mm. story is the best to hear, I think, because you find out about that person and what they're really made of, and how they got to where they were, what were the actual skills that they applied. All right, well, I will go be resilient. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to hear. I want to know. I want to know the end now, like yeah, everybody else. So do I. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm going to follow this journey. Ah, shit. This is actually happening, isn't it? This search for another career is finally underway. I've been feeling so lost since leaving my last job. And all these fear-inducing thoughts like, was I good at being a radio host? Would anybody else even hire me to do this? Am I a fraud? They just kept swirling around in my head. Also, this podcast is really just a much bigger version of saying things out loud to make them real. So now I have to do something about it. Next time on Seek Alternate Route. You know, often the, the story that's drummed into us is by parents and friends and, you know, the community, is that if you're good at something, that's what you should be doing. It's time to chat to my family and friends. Because if you're going to make a big decision, like changing your career, you're going to need support. And you know what? You're going to get their opinions anyway, whether you like it or not. I have no idea what my family will say. But I guess there's only one way to find out. So I'm going to take this microphone with me and see you on the next episode of Seek Alternate Route. Proudly brought to you by Seek. And if you've heard something in this episode you want to know more about, head to Seek Career Advice Online to find expert advice, guidance and resources to help you find your dream job.